This episode is brought to you by Brave Wave, a video game music label and a returning sponsor of uh, our podcast. They have released a new album, the first ever solo album by the composer of Ninja Gaiden. It is titled Retroactive Part One. You can go to store.bravewave.net to listen to the entire album for free and buy it if you want. Hello! <laughs> Carlson, how are you? It's March 11th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 201. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Danielle Riendo. And I'm Jake Rodkin. And we are joined this week by our friend Kara Ellison. Hello! Woman about town Yay. and general writer person. General vagabond and lost person. Hello! Kara <laughs> <laughs> writes the Embed With series where she goes around to... Uh, hang out with game developers and write about their lives and their games and other really cool things. That's right. Although it's technically finished now because I'm exhausted. So <laughs> That's fair enough. I think that's a good reason to, to end something. Yeah, I know it's good. Although it's kind of like the leftover of that is that I still don't really have a home or like <laughs> any money. So, so. Where, where are you going after you are not in San Francisco anymore? Oh, well, I, I am actually going to cat sit for Steve Gaynor <laughs> in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> Man, never, never before has hot scoops been more, more relevant than Steve Gainer's cats. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of just like, well, I don't really have anything better to do. And that's actually quite a good title for I don't think anyone has anything better to do than that. That's right. true. That's a good thing to yeah. do. But I thought like a, a really good title for a book would be Cat Sitting for Steve Gainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. That does sound lovely. Yeah, I mean, it would just be like me frustrated and being trolled by cats. But that's that's the entirety of the book. That's fine. So you far. you also write the S.exe series at at Rock Paper Shotgun. Yes, that's and right. the last one that you did, or at least the last one that I read, was on Maureen Corley from Full Throttle. That's right, and that was one of my favorite pieces of writing on Full Throttle. I think actually, really. It's, yeah, because Maureen Corley is an amazing character who does not actually get a lot of print dedicated to her. No, it's true. Um, I don't know what to say about it other than you should go look up that article. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, so for me, uh, I think that the subtext of that whole article really is here is what a really brilliant and like delicate writer Tim Schafer is. I feel like the whole of that article is really just look how he makes these people human. Isn't that great? Yeah, like, but I don't even I don't know if Tim actually has hit a female character as strong as Maureen in any of his games after that either. I don't know. But like Well, so the thing that I like about the Maureen and Ben relationship, this is actually a thing I was talking about with like we did a press event for our game Firewatch last week and um Nice how you're segueing this yeah, into talking about <laughs> <and> plugging <laughs> Firewatch. I know, I know. This sounds very um self important. But but uh 
I was talking to Chris Solentrop, who is uh, writes for the New York Times and writes a lot of video game stuff for them. And he asked me, like, he played through the demo of the game, and then he asked me, like, so what's a thing I should know about Firewatch? And I, like, with no other context or like other questions leading into that, and I and I was com- caught like completely by surprise. I don't know for some reason I just it left me completely like it's going to PC uh, in 2015. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing that I that I sort of. Real, like realized that I'd been thinking about that week was that it felt like we're tr- sort of trying to make a game for adults, not like an adult game in the sense that it's a rated M for mature, but like <laughs> a game that is about adult human beings who is who interact with each other in a way that is essentially adult and not um, sort of sensationalized, which is actually quite rare in video games, which tend to be patterned after like action films in which dialogue between characters and certainly dialogue between like men and women often is like sexually charged in a way that is kind of artificial and not really how real like men and women or men and men or women and women talk to each other as actual adults in the actual world. And like thinking about Ben and Maureen, I think one of the reasons that relationship um, relates or sort of resonates with me so much is because you can sort of feel in those characters that they are adults. Like there is, like something there between them, obviously that like they relate to each other on like numerous levels. Um, but there's also a sort of restrained nature to the whole thing and that it doesn't feel like everything they say to each other is like a zinger for the screen. Yeah. yeah. That is, you and there's know. also like, I, I guess I wrote it because I became aware that like um, a section of my readership is asexual. And a lot of them, really? yeah, someone sent me a really nice message to my ask page saying, um, thank you so much. Like, even, even if you, uh, you yourself are not asexual, thank you so much for like, basically watching, <laughs> watching your, uh, like the way you address particular things. And thank you so much for like making me feel not completely alienated when you're writing like entirely about sex and relationships yeah, because sure, sure. they were like, and they dropped me this thing and I was really surprised because, um, I guess I, I didn't think too much about it, but um, I, I certainly have friends who've made me aware of those issues before, and I, I was super pleasantly surprised to hear that. And so I, I became aware of the fact that I wasn't covering relationships between men and women in video games that weren't sexually charged and that weren't that were primarily about friendship, like platonic friendship. And I guess Ben and Maureen came to mind simply because. There's that really wonderful conversation that they have at the end of the game where um, essentially Maureen uh, is, she gets a phone call, a phone call, and they, they said, oh, you know, like, let's let's have, have lunch or something sometime. And he said, and Ben's like, oh, that sounds nice, right? And then and she then, just starts talking about the broken, the faulty part in the bike. Exactly. And she's like, oh, she's got something to do on, like, she's like on this, like, business call. And then Ben just kind of disappears. And then, like, he, like, goes on the road or whatever. And there's this kind of super nice feeling, like, it's not the end of their friendship, and it's not that they might never sleep together or whatever. And it, it, it's like, but it's also like, we're busy adults and we've got stuff to do in life. And like, life's too short to just like be like, oh, well, this isn't the end of the story. Like, right. giant, great big kiss. Like, it's but really you, nice. But don't you feel like there's also something maybe sort of very subtly tragic about the ending of that game? Like, I feel like the way that they leave each other is partially what you describe and par- partially also the sensation that maybe there was something there that is that didn't hit at the exact right moment and therefore is 
has been missed. Yeah, no, there is like a kind of sense of something being missed, but I feel like, so like early on, you know, there's that really nice like little task where you have to like go and get the three items so that Maureen can fix your bike. No, the adventure game. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it's early on, but there's like a bit. There's like when you're going to collect stuff, like he always when he when he comes back into the room with whatever item it is, like the, I think it's like the gas can or whatever, and he turns up the forks. Yeah, the forks. <laughs> so when I was a kid, by the way, like when I was a ten year old or whatever, whenever that game came out, however old I was, I remember the line, like, where'd you get those forks? And he goes, Next to the knives and spoons. <laughs> and I was like, as a, as uh, however old I was at the time, for some reason. That was the funniest fucking thing I had heard in a video game. Well, in my he's like, life. next to the knives and spoons. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Like, he has oh, the classic. best voice. Like, yeah, that guy's the best voice. I'm sorry. Continue your actual anecdote. <laughs> anyway, um, so he comes back in with, like, the forks or, like, the, I don't know, the the gas can or whatever. And he's got, they, 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 they put this, like, massive shit eating eating grin on his face he's so proud that he's he got so that proud of crap. Yeah. Yeah. and he expects maureen to be like ah you yeah. know it like yeah. bait into his arms or something and that's my favorite thing about this like yeah, initial is thing is that he's got this huge shit eating grin that he expects like <laughs> yeah her she to just be keeps like, wrenching away on the bike of course yeah she's yeah. just like whatever, like, whatever. they did not she's make an like, animation for maureen acknowledging that you've no, accomplished anything exactly yeah. she's just welding that shit on like she doesn't care and it's just like completely <laughs> Wonderful but she cause... has a big fat smirk when she lowers the bike and it's done and it's got the recoil booster on it or whatever. Yeah. But then you, of <laughs> course, true. just drive away and set fire to her shop and then, it's, you know, <laughs> don't see her for another two hours or whatever. Well, I mean, she's got that grin and then she says, like, tell me I'm awesome. Like, I'm awesome, yeah. right? Yeah. Or something. She says yeah. something like that. And there's, like, this moment... I think I think Ben does say like you're awesome or something like that, and you're kind of like, oh, this is like really adorable. But like, yeah. I don't know. It's like it's a it's a game that accepts that people are adults. They, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's also yeah. something kind of charming about that each of their own uh, kind of being too cool for school in terms of getting excited about what the other person does, but also wanting to be validated a little yeah. bit themselves. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's something kind of adorable It's really, It makes them both so likable and yeah. so... Yeah. But well, it, yeah. it definitely <clears throat> feels like at that moment when they first meet is when they're probably the most potentially likely for anything to ever happen, but that meeting ends up putting both their lives on trajectories that make it impossible by the end of the story in a way yeah. that's, that's really good. Yeah, and yeah. I really... I full really... throttle. Welcome to the yeah. full throttle cast. Yes. Whatever. God, yes. I open strong with full throttle. Game, I know. throttle. <laughs> It's great. But yeah, it's 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 just great. A great game in general because like a lot of it is actually about Maureen. Like it mm-hmm, is about sure. her and her family and what happens yeah. to her. But it never says like she's someone who has to be rescued. In yeah. fact, she actually becomes kind of like a boss figure at the end, and she's just like you have to get yeah, through I mean, a minefield. Part, part of well, part of the well, and like part of why they sort of drift apart is that she ends up sort of as a result of the events of the game, sort of ascending well, she, into this rarefied. Mm-hmm. Well, but there's a part in the middle where she also thinks that you killed her dad. Yeah, that's true. And I think when you get to the end of the story, even though she's like, oh, you didn't kill my dad. Man, this is the most spoilery, like, unwarned <laughs> oh spoilery <my> discussion. <laughs> 20, we're on the 20th anniversary. That's true. This is the full 20th, throttle. That's true. This year is the 20th anniversary of Full Throttle. Marty McFly traveled forward in time to the 20th anniversary of Full Throttle. Um, yeah, 95, Full I Throttle. I it was 93. Okay. I'm, I'm, it was 93. No, 93 I'm was clearly, Sam and Max hit the road. There you go. Yeah. 
Oh, it's disgusting that that game out, game came out two decades ago. Yep. Yeah, no. yeah, we're old. You know, it's really funny though. Like this is this year was the first year at GDC that I got up the courage to say hello to Tim Schafer. <laughs> Uh, and like, and I was covered in pink paint because I was at the Wild Rumpus party where I was oh, yes, DJing. Yes. I was covered in like pink fluorescent paint, and like I looked like I actually kind of looked like one of those guys in the, the Full Throttle Gang where they've got like the you know like the uh, infrared the goggles, yeah. cave fish. Yeah. the cave fish. I looked oh like my a God. cave fish person. And and I, he met me and like and I I was like introduced myself. <laughs> I looked like an idiot, and I was like hi, and then um. And then he was like, hi. And I was like, oh, I'm Karen. It's super nice to meet you. I like your work a lot. And he was like, thanks. Uh, you're the person who wrote that thing about Marine, right? And I was like, yeah. And I expected him to be like, oh, I really enjoyed it. That was so nice. I Thank you so much. Like, he, he was like, oh. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. In my brain, I was like... Tim Schafer is massively underwhelmed by me. <laughs> no, that actually just is added to the the tome of people's first encounters with Tim Schafer at GDC. Yeah. yeah. That's just how that guy is, I Man, think. Man, my first encounter with Tim Schafer was also at GDC and was also Full Throttle. Related. Oh, that was when it was back in San Jose. That was like 10 yeah, years ago. That was, that, was when, that was when Full Throttle was only nine years old. I know, weird. Oh, I God. Like, uh, Yes, on, on this, the 20th anniversary of Full Throttle, I recount meeting Tim Schafer on the 9th on anniversary the ninth. of Full Throttle, because I was wearing my Corley Motors t-shirt. I was wearing my, like, classic... Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah which I think I've God. lost now. I can't find it anymore. But it's just, it's, it, it was, the thing that was so great about it was that it was a, in an era way before this was, like, a fashionable thing to do, and even now, this is not very common, um, LucasArts made a Full Throttle t-shirt that was just a Corley Motors t-shirt. There was, it didn't say Full Throttle. It didn't say LucasArts. It didn't tip its hand at all. It was like a prop replica Corley Motors like crew shirt, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It just it had the logo. Then I think it said Can't be a Corley. Corley. And yeah. it had the like awesome CM like wings logo. <gasps> yes. And I was wearing it just like on the streets of San Jose. And I remember I was walking like to or from the Game Developers Choice Awards at like 10 p.m. or whatever. And, uh, and I just w- ran into Tim Schafer walking the other direction. <laughs> And he was like, hey, I made that game. And I was like, oh, man, you're Tim Shaver. It was crazy because I was still so in college cool. at the time. And I was like, whoa. Like, whoa. I was super excited about I, it. I met correct. Tim at, at GDC, but it wasn't full throttle related. Oh, boo. Yeah, whatever. You're not in the canon. <laughs> you can't be in the canon I was anymore. sitting with Anita when she was about to get her ambassador award last year. And Tim came over and was just like, hi, I'm Tim. And I was like, I'm Danielle. I'm friend of hers. I was just like, this is my only claim Sliding to fame. That I in there. Just, I'm with her. Her. She's important. It was, nice. you know. Anita was wearing three Corley Motor shirts, yeah, though, see, so, so it's relevant. You know, and a, and a bandana. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, but yeah, anyway. And then I, I met him a second time uh, at DDC. And then he said to me, You're, you had the pink on you. That's what he said. So basically, every time you so, meet him, he will remember a previous thing, yeah. thing. Ab- about yeah. you. And yeah. then give it a muted response. Yeah, and just not care. <laughs> so next time, he'll be like, I met you a, a second time. <laughs> That's the detail he remembers. Anyway, I guess I guess the moral of this story is yes, I did write about Maureen and <laughs> it's underwhelming. Good. Okay. We've gotten to this point. I'm glad. Man, totally surprising but very comprehensive full throttle discussion it's happened. Right. Yeah, that whatever. Was totally pretty good. But I'll, yeah, that article is that, in- that article is worth going back and looking up on on RPS if you haven't read it. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. who are listening, it's good. Um, the whole of the series is really good. Can I? The just rest say? of them are fine. 
All of sexy is good. Is that, a, is that how you pronounce it? Sexy? Well, every everyone's been asking me that this GDC for some reason. I like I, saying it in my head so that way. I so. usually say s.exe, but That's then no one was it. getting the pun is the really? problem. Yeah. Okay, okay, see. Sexecutable. Yeah, yeah. Sexecutable. <laughs> right? Because oh. no one was getting the pun and it was really starting to irritate me. People were people sometimes tweet me and they're like, oh, I only just got that pun. Oh god. And it's been like what, like a year? It's been a while. Should follow it up yeah. with your, your next article series, master.bat. <laughs> Fuck off. It's, it's actually the new just, domain. It actually just redirects to s.exe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. Christ. <laughs> oh, man. But it yeah. only opens up in one tab. I feel like it's Sorry, reproductive.sys. Yes. <laughs> .sys. Oh. But yeah, no, I feel like it's like the best named column I've ever heard of. So yeah, it's I'm a good proud name. of it. Oh, absolutely. I'm proud of it. It's a pun that I wouldn't have been able to make by myself without the internet assisting me. They did it's an internet me. assisted pun. It was. It was like people, how it people on Twitter should be like, oh, you should make a pun on that. And then they're like, oh, that would be really funny. And I'm like, it would be funny. Like, pitching that series now. Nice. <laughs> oh and then I stole it. So, yeah. Thanks, internet. Oh, I don't know who it was on the internet. Don't mention it. It wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of the me. tonal opposite of all of this... I was playing uh, <laughs> Cities Skyline. Yay! <laughs> that game was like totally a seamless. <laughs> <laughs> a game about managing uh, municipal infrastructure yes. uh, and zoning. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is so sexual. It's it's not. <laughs> no, okay. If you build a big enough city, there is surely one person in it who is aroused when the sewer backs up. <laughs> that's true. Sure. That's true. That's I mean, fair enough. Statistically. Statistically. Yes. Yeah. What's it, it's called somewhere. Cities Skylines? It's called was, Cities was, Skylines. It's actually a There sequel. was a Cities XL? Yeah, I thought that it was related to that, but I actually don't think it is at all. What? It's, no, no, no. It's a sequel to games called Cities in Motion. Okay. Cities in Motion and Cities in Motion 2, which were, uh, yeah, developed by the same developer I, I, called Colossal something. I can't remember. And, uh, yeah. and, and Paradox is bringing it out here. <clears throat> yes. Paradox is the publisher. And... Uh, was also the publisher of Cities in Motion. And actually, yeah. I, this made me bummed out that I never played Cities in Motion 1 or 2 because they're entirely about public transportation, which I love. Like, I would love to play a game, a SimCity-like game that is totally focused on, like, trains and subways and buses and stuff. This and, one has that, but you have to get to it. Yeah, but this is, this right. is like, yeah. comprehensive city simulator. This yes. game's goal yes. is to be the game SimCity 2013 promised you that it would be, right? right? It is shocking. Shocking. How similar it is. I mean, similar in terms of like general visual style and kind of scope of features. I, I can't. It has curved roads that you drag colored lines along the edges of to zone, right? Yes. Like, it is the uh, exact yeah. same general like paradigm of Chris Tilton did the soundtrack. No, he didn't. No, no. I don't need, I haven't even heard any music yet. Just actually, play the SimCity oh, soundtrack over this. Yeah. It happens when you start doing really well. Oh, okay. And like you get really prosperous. And really then well. the little. Yes. I am doing poorly. Wait, what happens? Like when you start doing really well, then no, the what music does it starts do? playing. It's a do, 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 okay, do, do. that's it's a circus song. <laughs> it's, it's circus music. It no, plays like Entrance of the Gladiators. It's like, little, it's like a little fanfare, but it's like a light looping little fanfare kind mm. of thing. It's it's nice. Oh wait, you know what? I have heard music, but my music is like very somber and portentous. Oh, no. I just remembered now. It's like it's like ba 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 ba. It, it actually totally is. It's like yeah. It's bizarre. Um, I've had some some bad cities go down. Yeah. Well, I just I just didn't. Well. One of the things that so okay so 
the, the, this game plants a flag in the ground instantly the second you sort of see your initial city plot and are told to start doing anything. And that flag is, this will be the game that you wanted if you bought Sims, the, the previous SimCity game and were disappointed. Like, that is the claim that this game stakes. Like, with, there's no ambiguity about that whatsoever. And it's actually very... How is that, how is that the case? Does it make a joke about, like, server-side processing no, 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 or something? No, 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 no. I just mean, like, in every aspect of itself. There's no meta oh, just element Like, how that. it starts just, with the strip of interstate with the two little, yes, the two little two on-ramps little poking And, out. like, the way the yeah. zoning rules work. And the, even just, like, when you zoom all the way out and you look at your plot of land... It just looks like how it looks. I mean, it just looks the same. I mean, in a way that pre SimCity 2013 games looked different. That was 2013, right? I think so. it was. It was the day I started at Polygon, March oh, okay. 4th, 2013. I actually have like this a super good story about. Um, Wait, SimCity. how good is it? It's super good. Super good. Yeah. Super good. <laughs> um, so, like last year at GDC, uh, I got in an Uber with a guy who was really into video games, it turned out. And, like, he... So, he only played... I, I said, oh, I'm going to the Game Developers Conference. And he's like, okay. And this like, there's the driver this kind or of, another passenger? No, the driver. The Uber driver. Okay. And, like... And, and there's this kind of... Always this kind of, like, awkward silence where you're like, what is he going to say about video games? Because it's <laughs> usually bad. So, like, anyone who's, like, not a massive nerd like us, that you're just like, oh, no, like, they're going to say something awful or going to be like, oh, video games, gross, or something like that. Sure. And there's this kind of little silence. And then he said... Oh, I really like video games. I mostly just play SimCity, right? And oh, I was like, oh, yeah. that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Have you played the new one? He's like, yes, in a kind of tone that was really indignant. And I was like, oh, no, now it's going to go wrong for me, right? And so then I was like, oh, what did you think of it? And he said, oh, my God, it is com- it's a complete travesty. They've done it all wrong. Um, and apparently for him, the maps were way too small. Yeah, yeah. This was his yeah. thing yeah. about the, the, the like maps were too small. Lord or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just way too small for the uber driver just not having it just completely outraged I mean, he's not wrong you got, okay, you gotta was, find this guy and tell him to play city's skylines right i hope he's listening but anyway yes. what he eventually told me was he was so angry about this sim city that he took the box he bought a physical copy of this game he took the box drove to the maxis headquarters oh my god <laughs> in his uber car yeah set it on fire oh my god and threw it and i was like what like and i was sitting wow. in the back of the car like that's a that's an impressive. And then thing he's to like, "Cop to what games have you worked on?" Shit! <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> oh my god! You're going okay. So this makes me feel like this guy. God, the arc, of, the arc of sort of the safety of that conversation of like, yeah. oh, so you like video games? He's either going to then say something really shitty or ask you when the new like COD DLC comes out. Then it's yeah. like, oh no, I'm a really big SimCity enthusiast. Oh, cool, awesome. Uh, but the last one I hated so much that I burned it and threw it at an office building. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's like that's anger. That's real anger. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean that is a video game making a person angry. Yes, and now, probably because of the insurance uh, increase, <laughs> after people started throwing flaming some city boxes at them, Maxis is out of business. Oh, <laughs> right? Maybe yeah. thanks Uber. Another thing, Uber's Uber ruining in the Bay Area. <laughs> I just picture him like 
making a SimCity version of like where the Maxis building is. He's planning it. He's like he's planning it out in the game, and then he gets in his Uber. God, car, he's grumbling. He's like, he's "Oh, fine, like, I'll yes. use a taxi cab in SimCity because the Uber DLC never came out." Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Fucking Uber DLC probably would exist in SimCity oh, if that company was still around. It's yeah. probably st- there's H and M DLC in like The Sims. Yeah, you, you can know? buy you have a Prius or something, can't you? Aren't there like Yeah, there's some car company has a thing. Oh yeah. god. The thing is so like I really like encountering people who just have the one game they play. It's See, really it's charming. Like evidence yeah. of, of a thing about games that is just not like how other things are. Right? Yeah. Like you 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 and I've met people like this. I I had a friend who just played Elder Scrolls games and had been playing them since, like, Daggerfall. He's not really a video game person. Like, just not really someone who, like, pays attention to video game websites or plays videos. But, like, somehow, since long before that series was a household name, like it, you know, like it was with Oblivion, just, like, must have somehow encountered Daggerfall someday in the fucking 90s and just was like, this is fun. And that's just what, and, like, ever since, like, 15 years later... But no other games, really. That's just just that. And I find that such a fascinating it, it phenomenon. Really yeah. I feel like I was that person for a little while just with Tomb Raider. My parents used to buy me a Tomb Raider every Christmas, basically. Huh. That's kind of awesome. Uh, so, yeah. That's an interesting one, because usually it doesn't happen with games like that that are just like a single-player linear thing that you finish. Yeah. And they used to buy me a Tomb Raider every year, I think, just because I was so so taken with the first one i was like wow this is amazing and as maybe they thought that was what video games were (laughs) yeah Yeah. and like as i mean it kind of was for like that game reached a sort of (laughs) level of cultural permeation that is rare it's in its heyday i mean you know like tomb raider was huge maybe they thought that's what video games are for girls there's a woman on the box and like here's the girl game or something i don't know i i think that it was yeah i think it was purely that they were like wow there's like a video game that has a woman character in it like clearly this might be good for my daughter i don't know i mean they were slightly taken aback by like the kind of over sexualization of her in the media i think so they were kind of cautious about that but they were definitely well and look at me now like massively over sexualized so obviously it's all gone wrong but (laughs) but i mean i feel like they they kind of recognized something in it which was that it is actually kind of a cool role model to to have like a uh, a woman go adventuring, doing sure. actiony stuff seemed like a cool thing for them. But also at the, at the same time, I was a massive history nerd. <laughs> so they were obviously like, oh, you know, she's an archaeologist. So this is like Kara's thing. So when she fights dinosaurs in, yeah. in historically accurate <laughs> yeah. ways. You yeah, know. yeah it's, what, it's what historians do. They like choke out a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, but it was it was kind of fun. I mean, as we all know, the Tomb Raiders got steadily worse. And then they <laughs> started the to get better. And then they started yeah, to get they better. Did a bit, yeah. yeah, but yeah, like I think when it got to Angel of Darkness, got Angel of Darkness was a slow realization that like even though she looked cool and had like like lots of like black so this eyeliner for a long time, huh? Because right? that was yeah. This sounds like a decade or yeah something. it was like yeah, well actually yeah. that one I, I i ordered and paid for myself which okay. made it worse obviously because it was terrible right. but uh <laughs> yeah like i was like oh she's got cool black eyeliner it looks a bit like buffy the vampire slayer this time right <laughs> it's gonna be amazing and then I, it's just like she can't even walk you know was that, one, was that one before or after underworld was that before underworld before. i think it was before yeah, yeah before was, because I underworld played... was starting i think the, the <clears throat> ascent back up it was so, well so underworld is a great game yeah. i loved it but but 
the story was maybe the stupidest it's thing I've ever encountered. Like yeah, that's in any game that I've ever played ever. And but I hadn't played. That's big. No, I that's know. Big talk. Well, yeah. I know it was, but it was like <laughs> something. But the thing is, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but it doesn't matter because oh, the distinction fair. between when yeah, you're that yeah, low, totally. like, what's really the difference? Yeah. Um, but I hadn't played a Tomb Raider game in several years before that because I hadn't played any of the sort of like modern ones. Yeah. You know, and I. And it just made me really wonder what the hell did I miss, like in the sort of <laughs> like from Tomb Raider canon of the plot yeah. of these games yeah. that like would have taken the game on the trajectory from like sort of pseudo archaeologist person like raids tombs and like fights like dinosaurs and monsters <laughs> yeah. or not monsters but like you well, know sort of yeah. sort, I guess weird so. animal yeah weird, yeah weird animal creatures what on earth would take it to the point where there's like a resurrected zombie mom and like. <laughs> like a dark version in heels like what right what happened like what are the beats that i missed that like i i should have just gone on wikipedia i guess but i kind of prefer not knowing it's and like suddenly this, this yeah. is this imagine way. that had just been tomb raider 2 oh god <laughs> <laughs> well i mean legend was was good because they just reworked the whole game so that it wasn't like the camera wasn't super annoying and you weren't on a grid system anymore and yeah. you weren't like it wasn't all broken that was super great but like the best i reckon the best tomb raider for my money is actually anniversary where they remade oh, yeah, the I first cool. one it was like delightful and really great and like i mean it didn't have some of the atmosphere of the first one sure. I feel like the first one has like it's dark and murky and it's shadowy and it's gross isn't it like it's i don't know i really like the first tomb raider because it's grungy and yeah. weird yeah um but like i mean it didn't have as much of that but it was like there was so the story was minimal you know these days i'm getting incredibly annoyed particularly with AAA games that talk too much at <laughs> sure, me. Sure. i'm like please could you just be silent for a while. I don't want to hear a voice. I just want to be by myself in a single player game. I don't want anyone yelling at me or telling me that there's a rock there because I can see the rock and I'm avoiding it already. You know, like God, ironically, that's actually why I enjoyed uh, Underworld so much is that when it wasn't in, in an incredibly disgustingly lore heavy, like nonsensical cutscene, you were just kind of alone in this yes. like big, huge, overwhelming environment, like yes. with a lot of silence and the, uh, that's what dignity. Is. The one that came out after Underworld was in that vein, but did not have that insanity, right? Or wasn't Underworld sort of the beginning of a series yeah. of, of reasonably related sort of tech and idea-wise yeah. Tomb Raiders? I don't really know. I, have, I haven't played a Tomb Raider since one. They rebooted it after Underworld. So. Okay. And there was also the Guardian of Light, which was yeah, Guardian amazing. Guardian of Light was cool. Total, yeah. Sort of just a totally separate thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's own, yeah. totally its own thing, but it was uh, I feel like we, out of nowhere. I feel like we flew a million miles away from City Skylines without actually talking about it, because Daniel, oh, yeah. you'd been playing oh, yes. a bunch of it. But, Carol, when you were saying you want a game that doesn't talk to you, I was like, oh, City Skylines is what you should play. Then I remembered yeah. <laughs> that at the top of that game, it has its own in-universe Twitter feed. which it is does. great. It's actually yes. really funny. It's so in, it seems yeah. like instead of the population just being random quotes, like in, in, in the most recent SimCity, they'll like petition City Hall and you can click on them and your advisors tell you stuff. They have little thought bubbles. Yeah, in, in yeah. City Skylines, there's 
just the regional Twitter feed for your city shows up, so people are like hashtag smog, really yeah. annoying yeah, or whatever. Like, I, really the usage cute. of hashtags is actually really clever and hilarious. Well, they like, use hashtags the way a that a person who does not understand hashtags exactly. uses hashtags, right. which right. is which it's is you have sarcastic to sarcastic ima- hashtags. Yeah. No, it's like it mom is. hashtags. It's like, <laughs> it's like naively sarcastic hashtags where they don't realize that it comes off as sarcastic. Um, right, where it's like getting okay. hashtags psyched for the big sports event hashtag <laughs> tonight. Like, okay, no one, here's an example. Most nonprofits use hashtags. Example, hashtags, right. Here's an example of a tweet from like when I was just playing and I couldn't figure out how how sewage worked. Yes. Uh, the streets are hashtag flooding with, with hashtag sewage. The hashtag smell is just overwhelming. There's <laughs> <laughs> a totally authentic usage of how I sort of like uh, kind of not super internet oriented person who still wants to like get on t- and complain to their seven followers about yeah. how their municipal service municipal service is failing them is like that just seems totally authentic to me about what how that person yeah. would would tweet it's I really mean, great and they do it in a positive way too where it's like our ma- hashtag mayor is the best when like you, you create like a sewage plant or something and right. it's like yay <laughs> it's yep. It's really kind of adorable. Mm-hmm. What you were saying is like you couldn't figure out the sewage the, the, the sewage system was like <laughs> actually attached to the water. Yeah, the same. The, you, it's yes. a little weird. The, yeah. When you build, you, you Chris and Danielle both the bombed problem. a million yes, cities of exactly poo. because yep. yes, I, <laughs> I did. I had the like I had the like poo is overflowing icon and I'm like hashtag oh, no. poo and I, and I tried to select. <laughs> I had no the, idea like, what to do it. Yeah, first. I tried yeah. to select the sort of garbage uh, like um, utility. And it was like, oh, you can't build garbage facilities until you have 200 people or 500 people yeah, or something. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no. And I like, I eventually. <laughs> how can I grow this city when it's full of poo? How do I, how <laughs> how do I make it big enough? I was like, this seems impossible. Because like, yeah. no one else is going to want to move into a pooey city. So how am I going <laughs> to. How do you make enough of them to clean up the poo? It's like terrible catch 20 poo. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Um, I got But yes. yeah, that, then I realized that um, the, the water pipes are actually like. Double pipes. There's two pipes side by side. Thank and, God. Yes, and yes. one of them is in and carries water, and one of them is out and carries sewage. They're green and blue. And so you have to yeah. build separate water treatment and like sewage exhaust facilities, and you have to be careful that you build the sewage downstream from the like water piping. Oh, because I imagine you start with the shittiest, uh-huh, with the worst <laughs> sewage treatment plant that just will barf sewage yep. out into the yeah. into the fl- into the water supply right right yep. so you, gross so you see, but, and like disgusting. the water like shows you which direction the flow is so that you can build downstream so that you aren't so pumping yeah. this is my key sim city question because um yeah. the most recent sim city was all about data visualization like that was actually the like hands down my favorite th- part of the oh, yeah. of the new sim city and it's a part that i think the <clears> shortcomings <throat> of that game cannot take away from it is that like 3d where it all wipes to like white and just mm-hmm. shadows of your city and has graphs that come up and stuff. But the most ridiculous one of those is the sewage graph because it's right. just blobs of poo floating <laughs> yep. around your city. Yeah. Or there's just sort of that like, <laughs> just like those, just like, like little just, brown rivers. Just like yep. cow pies just zipping yep. all over the place. The city skylines have the cow pie uh, visualization because I saw that it, it has some visualizations. Does it have the poo flying around? It's I didn't not see as poo sli- flying yeah, around. It's no. not as. It's not as slick as... So it's like an early access game, and that feature is coming later. <laughs> Hopefully. The all-poo features are coming. Yeah. It has Patch the, number two. It has, as with like seemingly all the features of this game, it has essentially the same basic approach to data visualization, which is that when you select, for example, like when you go into the menu that you use to build water utility components or electricity or whatever, 
it over it it you it know gives you like that the minimalized that info minimal view yeah view that shows you the reach of your so current weird yeah it it has that it's just not as like it's not quite as sort of spark, sparkly and flashy as the as the Max SimCity. So flashy in SimCity. I know. It really was. Uh, it's still, I mean, it's still useful. It still gives you information. Yeah, useful. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the Android version. Oh. Well, this also is, <laughs> Go away. is useful in the way that it, like, works offline and it has, you know, everything about yeah. it. I haven't encountered any problems with the game itself other than right. my own misunderstanding of something, yeah. you know, like it's, um, and it supports tons of modding stuff. They were upfront about that right away team and they're like you you don't like the way our houses look go right into the editor and make your own houses which is cool you know they and they they kind of have the spirit of, of we made a game that is exactly what y'all wanted here it yep. is and it's 30 bucks too which is kind of cool. that's awesome yeah it's, it's a it's it a also feels like it's um, a little less forgiving than sim city which allowed you to really bounce sure. back from like almost anything uh which does make it a little harder to get started but in this, this one. game like, so this game is predictably way more brutal yeah, I don't know a if it's, bit. like, yeah. super brutal necessarily, but, like, it definitely is it, – it definitely feels less kind of um, elastic than than, Sims, than the Maxis one, which really felt like it was always ready to kind of bounce you back. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's a bad thing. It just means that when you're getting started, you might have a little more trial and error. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah. To to the point about like you know Kara you, you brought up the the notion of someone who like basically just plays SimCity I think one of the reasons this game approximates SimCity the Maxis game so much is that it this really is kind of almost a one game genre I mean it's not there are a bunch of European city builders but in terms of successful city builders that are specifically in the modern era and specifically have to do with urban zoning. SimCity is really the one successful one. I mean, there were like, there were Cities XL, there was, I, I, you know, which failed, um, that developer failed. And like most attempts to exist in that genre have really not been very successful. Uh, SimCity for decades, pretty much like the the big series um, and most other successful city builders, I feel like have carved out a different niche. They've been like Eno or Tropico? Yes, they've mm -hmm. been historical games or they've been set in environments that are not kind of like North American or European modern urban environments. Um, and so, and I remember when, when, when we were talking a lot about the Maxis SimCity game, Nick was kind of saying on the one hand, he couldn't believe that this exists, that like electronic arts spent this money to make this kind of game now in this era. It just seems so like almost anachronistic given what large publishers tend to prioritize these days. Um, and also that it kind of seemed like this was sort of the last chance. Like sure. if they fucked that up, it's like, well, now what are we going to do? Like the company that makes this didn't do it well. And now like, is that it? We're just done. Now Maxis is closed for that matter. Yeah. Um, which, which is why I imagine a developer that has some, you know, that had previously tried their hand at some kind of modern urban city builder just kind of decided like, let's just do that let's just yeah, do that ex exact thing and try not to mess it up in the ways that they messed it up it's it is it is so much more of a clone than i am accustomed to seeing or playing but in a in a genre that is generally not cloned because it's so goddamn complicated and yeah. huge usually games that are cloned are like little puzzle games or kind of shit like sort of cheaper first person shooters or, or th you know or mobile games mobile yeah. games yeah usually things that are cloned this this closely 
are things that can be quickly reproduced or but this is such an incredibly complex game with so many moving parts and so many assets and i imagine must have taken a lot of resources to produce at this level let's see if it's, it's fun a, after two hours i yeah i definitely read that it is i definitely read okay. that it is that um but it, it's just it's just i'm not saying this as like a as a qualitative judgment it's just a strange thing to experience because you don't usually experience that with games that are this complex and large and and you know unusual i was thinking actually a lot about um SimCity's legacy because max is closed and like i did end up like writing a while ago i wrote a thing about um american roads because i was here i was spending quite a lot of time here and like i think i don't know there's something really special about roads in the u.s in particular like it's such a road country and very road based but i was thinking Thanks, when I was eisenhower like, yeah i was thinking <laughs> when i was like flying across right across the middle of the u.s like I, you look down and there's like a grid pattern all all of the cities are grid patterns like all of them yeah. um although like san francisco is a little windy and hillier than than usual sure. but it's yeah. like there are a lot of windy cities but yeah the grid pattern is grid, yeah and so um and i thought when i was flying across the u.s i, w- I was thinking about how I had spoken to the curator of the British Map Library, and he said cool. he said that SimCity would go down as one of the like the most prominent maps of the 20th century. And I was like, "What?" That's really and he said, yeah. "Well, maps to me, it's really obvious that maps to me are a record of like how society thinks about something, right? And it's really obvious to me where exactly who made SimCity." Because it was definitely not a European who made it. Sure. And it's like got this kind of um, embedded attitude into it. So like, it's like virgin land. No one's here. Excuse me. Uh, and you know, like, <laughs> sure. there's, yeah, sure. there's like, there's no one, there's no one who lives here. So we can just like do whatever the hell we like. Like, let's lay a, like 50 roads down. Let's sure. put like a crap load of shit here. Like, yeah. and we're just, we're going to knock it down. Like the bulldoze function, we're going to all knock it down and everything's on a grid system and everything's <laughs> like grid orientated. And cars are the main form of traversal. Cars are, yeah. yeah. And like the, in the original SimCity 2000, I think you, the way that you got people to come to your city was you built a highway to the edge of the map. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's like, they still essentially use that. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, there's like he was like you can really ov- you can tell that this was made like by an American person about their life and like most um, maps dating back to like the beginning of maps like you can tell something about that person from the way that they were making the map and it's like super fascinating the way that he was thinking about like all of the all of the maps and how this sits in history and like how it's I he he shows it in the British map library it's like really it's incredible it's really cool to think about and so yeah so i was like yeah because i started thinking about what a european version of SimCity would look like yeah but it would be like all just territory wars because you can't build anywhere because someone else has already (laughs) built a thing there and there's a castle there that you have to spend money upkeeping sure and then there's like a you know crusader kings yeah exactly so (laughs) crusader kings is the sim city of europe yeah (laughs) oh my god well what's funny is that the the sim city model has kind of ended up well there's probably a lot of uh i i suspect that what he's describing is very true in terms of its conception um it has now kind of become a default model for 
city builders generally because like one of the one of the series I love dearly I've talked about a lot on this podcast is the Anno games which are um, oh, European yeah. city builders with sort of a so, somewhat of a more economic focus than SimCity has um, which is a lot more about zoning and, and building the Anno games are a lot more about kind of trade and and managing economies um, and uh, and what's funny is that those games kind of start out on sort of islands where you just kind of you're essentially colonizing islands like you're, you're based so it's um, and there you're building roads, but the roads are for people to walk on, not cars, except you end up just building grids anyway, because that's just kind of the, well, I don't know what the reasons for that are. could be probably a number of reasons. One of them is probably just that 90 degree angles are computationally like easier to deal with. Um, but it's also, I think probably just because the SimCity model of like how to build things is kind of just what it is now. You know, like if you're, if you're building a builder game on a computer, like, it's weird because I mean, well, you're, I think you're right though that lines are straight because <laughs> the easiest tool for someone to understand with a mouse is to drag from one point to another point and for it to make a straight line. Like it was revelatory when the new SimCity allowed you to paint curves. Yeah, yeah because the, because the system yeah. underneath had to be doing insane juggling to know how to wedge all the buildings in and have it look naturalistic and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I always try. I, I remember I spent a lot of time trying with uh, with SimCity. To build like interestingly windy communities, right? But you would so just on. make like yeah. gross pixel art uh, <laughs> curves that cars would just go. Uh, or even yeah. with new no, SimCity. I mean the new SimCity. Oh, and it was really cool, but it's also because because the goddamn maps are so small. Like the guy was complaining about, you end up you have to give up. <laughs> Set so, it on fire. You have, you have to sacrifice so much density to do anything other than ninety degree angles. Because the second you start doing not ninety degree angles. You're technically wasting space, yeah. uh, and so I got really frustrated because I'm like, I want to make like a big, crazy London esque, like sort of just weird, like concentric circle sprawl thing, um, but you just can't. You just can't do it. I feel like us and the Romans obsessed with ninety degree angles. <laughs> just like the Romans were all about that shit. They were just like, if it's not straight, I don't want it to exist. Right? We're just gonna bulldoze through this mountain. You know, like is that true? I mean. They didn't obviously bulldoze a mountain, but well, they were yeah. very, they were very <laughs> concerned. Yeah. They're very, very concerned with the, like, well, they, it was all built towards the army, right? Because they were yeah. an army society. So they pretty much like were like, they were military and they were like, it actually takes less time to walk in straight lines right. to go anywhere. So they figured out that if they wanted their um, army to get anywhere quick, they had to be, they had to start making straight lines. Huh. So they made straight lines like across all of Europe, which are actually the ley lines that everything now in Europe is built on. Like sure. everything is a Roman road, except we've just put another layer of tarmac on the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like all of it is just like, if you dig down, like it's pretty much just like, oh, Romans built this road, you know, yeah. but yeah. Um, it's kind of weird, but kind of yeah they they kind of um well i think part of what this speaks to also is the difference between things arising organically and things being designed yes right like if you make a game where the objective objective is to build something from nothing you're going to have more of a kind of like designed sort of functional it shows how political design is as well Mm. like it, it all of these all of the reasons that we do these things are entirely political these maps are inherently political they they give you a political statement because it's like you like you're like you were saying that one map is like islands and like colonization which says something about like europe in general and then there's also like um SimCity is you know there's this virgin land idea where yeah. there's like no one there but actually obviously there when people, people got yes. in here there were people here so it's it's really interesting that all of this politics is like deeply embedded in the design of like this but it also reflects like 
yeah, the Romans are pretty much designing for the military. Yeah. And so everything was designed and built towards that. Now that we have curved, like curved roads as a sort of common knowledge block in builder games, because I know like City Skylines has curved roads yeah. and it's curved uh-huh. road tool. I mean, just from watching you guys play seems better than SimCity's curved road tool because SimCity's curved road tool was like kind of throw it up and hope, throw it up and hope, like guess that your curve is going to work. Whereas in City Skylines, you place a point and then you place the other like then you place an angle like it's a two-click operation right um but anyway now that that exists as a common vocabulary it would be interesting for someone to take that um and maybe someone has but to take that and put it into a game where you're given complicated natural terrain and where um terraforming actually simply be yes where terraforming has an immense cost and then make you actually build i would love that weird european cities that are clearly formed around rivers and around mountains or like insane like super high mountain mountain regions of Asia or whatever, like yeah. where you have to farm up into the terrain where you kind of oh, get a little bit of so feeling rad. of sieve, but like you could still yeah. drag and make a road, but it costs a shitload unless you form it into the shape of the valley and then you start yeah, yeah. zoning out from there. Right. Um so you end up getting the cities that are built and into beautiful you could also have like <clears throat> incredibly valuable natural resources in areas like that that incentivize you yeah. can do that so you don't just ignore sure. the Right. The, and then and then if you build the majestic bridge that goes across the cliff, cool, but you know that you had to like exist for eighty years as a city or something right. to raise enough money to like build that bridge. Totally, that's a totally like valid. Um, I feel like there's a lot of things you could do to incentivize players to bother with stuff like that. Because again, to bring up the Anno games, um, I my friend Sophie and I when we played uh, cooperatively, we put so much time and effort into like building up towards the goddamn cathedral, the big cathedral. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, and the like. It was such an amazing sort of like target to shoot for it seemed so incredible that like we diverted so many resources and so much effort to working towards it and i think it would be i think you could probably make a game that that made you um not made you but like encouraged you to contend with a lot more of these weird constraints if you introduced at least somewhat lighter of a goal or at least aspirational kind of structure well, that, if, like, you have, if you have a- made you because because part of i think one of the one of the things that i think is cool about the Anno games that is different about SimCity, for example, which has this very much like blank slate, like just build, 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 build thing. In the Anno games, you know that because you're playing in a medieval, well, they're, they're set in different time periods, but this was, this was Anno, uh, I guess, 1404, I think. Okay. Um, because you're playing in sort of a medieval era, it comes with all of the uh, like associations that you know, like a cathedral is like an incredibly prestigious like centerpiece of a town of of this era and like it just felt like a thing i wanted to achieve because it was so cool and i I feel like in create when you provide players with a very specific setting and kind of like suite of aesthetic um like furnishings it's a lot easier to get yourself psyched up for that kind of intangible goal even though it, it wasn't like I was required to do that or it was necessarily right. – I, I don't even know what it would be. You could also anymore. encourage yeah, people through the data visualization stuff that SimCity does too. Though, or if you are about to place a road and you just get a heat map of where resources are or where costs yeah. are. Because like playing Offworld Trading Company, that game does a very good job of really sort of through its data visualization incentivizing where to place your base, how to cluster your structures together and stuff. Just because it's like it's economically way more in your favor to do very specific actions and you end up forming – your resources just you conform to the geology of the space in a way that you don't in games where it's not all about yeah th- that i don't know 
Um, we're, we're also yeah. we're also in an era where sort of YouTube sharing and like screenshot and animated GIF sharing is such that there's there's kind of this weird like meta incentive to do really like incredible things yeah, in your, totally, in your totally. sort of creativity driven I mean, game. I imagine as soon as the curves went in, dicks started appearing on everyone. Oh, oh I'm sure, sure. Yes, I'm sure that's you know. the case. Yeah, I mean, see besiege. <laughs> yes, exactly. For wearing, oh, yes, for wearing right. insane shit and probably dicks are just popping up everywhere. Yeah. Um, how moddable <laughs> is City Skyline? Because very because I know Anno 2070 is not uh, the Anno games are not very moddable. Like there's there's some. I've yeah. looked it up. There's a little bit of stuff about how to fuck with stuff. So when you pointed out that a moddable city builder existed, it would be better in an Anno game because of the economic focus. But man, I want a total conversion that is just Rapture. Yes. Oh, man. Put a water oh shader God. over the entire thing, replace the birds with fish, and have you just build weird neon things and then have it run an insane right. an insane financial model yeah. over it. There's- Where's that... Firaxis, get on that shit. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Well, I feel like you could actually, you could do that. Yeah, that would be, it would be such an intense, intense yeah, total conversion. Really extremely mod friendly. Um, huh. Which I know, sorry, I'm like looking at their site right now, but they're, one of the main things when I first was sort of jumping into this, um, that would be first, a, that one would of be the first data mod. points is like, we love mods. Here's your mod. Share your mod. And I was sort of digging into things other people have done. I've replaced done. the interstate on an off ramp with a bathosphere, and I've replaced yes. everything else. What, is, what, what have you seen? Have you seen any cool things people have done yet? Uh, somebody made, um, God, an entire like a working city of uh, of Monaco, like like a oh, giant. Cool. Amazing, huh. incredible, massive. Is that? Did they actually build it with the rules, or do they use the mod the tools rules. to make it in create mode or something? I mean, they they, they did it with the the general rules. It's just sort of the the normal thing. But it was something that's just available immediately, like yesterday, even before the game came out. It was just sort of like, here are some who cool made, things it's shipping with. Who made it? He was somebody who does let's plays. I can look it up, um, but it's somebody oh. who did a let's play, just showing cool. how to make this cool. Amazing and then they just ship, city. They just ship the built city, of, or they put exactly. the link to it. Interesting. So you can so you can just play with it at, out of the box, just playing with the game. That's so funny because yeah. SimCity One for DOS came with its own bad versions of a bunch of cities, including San sure. Francisco and a couple places like that. Yeah, yeah, it did. Does this have disasters? We should take a break. What am I doing? We are we're so <laughs> deep into this episode. Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah, we should take a break. break. Video game. Do you guys like? underpants i do i wear them every single day wow I like that i wear yeah. them almost every day almost every day is, let's be <laughs> let's be honest um then maybe what you would like is this week's sponsor me undies me undies.com is a, a website that sells a lot of underpants and various undergarments of, of all cool kinds designs. they've they got some cool designs they got like basically any shape and size of of things to you know warm or support your body underneath your clothes, they've got them. Yeah, Kara, if you're like jet setting around the world, you probably need some like really high quality, resilient, comfortable underwear. Right. So you could go to meundies.com slash thumbs, get 20% off and free shipping to wherever you're staying. On your first like order. Like Steve Gander's house. Yeah. 
I could send them to Steve. Gators you could get you cat could, underwear. You could ship some weirdly patterned I think underpants. Steve actually owns some meandies, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So you could wear his meandies when you're there. It's when you true. dress up as so him. So why? Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking what I would do when I got there was essentially raid his wardrobe, dress up as Steve Gainer, <laughs> draw on a beard, you know, the distinctive Steve Gainer beard, and then just walk around town introducing myself wear as your Steve Gainer. Wear his meandies. I'll yes. wear his meandies. So you should do this and you should send the picture to meandies and say meandies.com slash thumbs save me 20% off this Steve Gaynor underpants disguise. Okay, I will do that. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, MeUndies. <laughs> Thank you, MeUndies. Video game. We'd also like to thank Nature Box for sponsoring this episode of Idle Thumbs. Nature Box is a delicious snack subscription service. They will deliver delicious, weird, normal weird, weird and normal weird and or normal snacks Whichever to your house. Whichever one you like. For mm-hmm. Uh, for a price that is good, if you go to naturebox.com slash, slash thumbs. thumbs, you can get a sample pack uh, containing a bunch of little four sort of four sort trial of, size snacks. Yep, and a full size snack of your choosing. Um, I might recommend uh, any sort of like dusted peas uh, <laughs> or uh, pine- dried pineapple slices. Excellent, which I love beyond all things. <laughs> Uh, so you can get that for a nominal shipping charge. It's two bucks. Cheap. Yep. Uh, nature box also now ships to Canada, which is great. People ask us about that all the time. Uh, go to naturebox.com slash thumbs. All of the delicious treats that you love delivered straight to your yeah. home. Even if, even if you don't decide to keep nature box, the amount of effort that it takes to have this internet site just send you a bunch of snacks for $2 is next to That's nothing. True. So go to naturebox.com slash thumbs, support the podcast, get snacks for 2 bucks. If you like it, which you probably will, then you can keep getting them. But man, think about the effort into out on just getting this sample box of snacks to your house. It's true. It's low. Thanks, Naturebox. Naturebox.com slash thumbs. Video game. And then you could, you could have a hamster also, game. Oh you could probably God. also mod it to make a hamster game. Hamster you City. You could. You could probably hamster make Cities XL. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Hamster. I am so into hamster games. Have you seen all those Japanese hamster games? Oh no. my god, they're the best. Okay, anyway. This was- <laughs> it is a huge thing in, in Japan. And we're back. We're back. Oh, <laughs> Whoa, oh shit. Oh. I, I found the, the box quote for uh, extensive modding support on City Skylines. Wait, if is anybody's the box interested. quote literally just extensive modding support? I mean, that, that's that's the bold header, but then there's language supporting it. So, <laughs> you know, it. there's even more. You, there's a head and there's a... Just make know. Monaco. Make your own rapture. Yeah. That would be really cool. It says build or improve on existing maps and structures. You can then import them into the game, share them as well as download the creations of other city builders on the Steam Workshop. So that's cool. Cool. Cool game. Nice. I played another cool game. What? What is it? <laughs> was it? Are you going to say White Knight? Well, I was going to talk about White Knight just yes. after that. Oh. Oh. We can talk about White Knight now, though. I played a game that was has cool ideas but isn't entirely cool called okay, White Knight. <laughs> White Knight is a horror game. A third-person, stylish, noir-looking, what's noir-looking? Is this knight N-I-G-H-T or knight, like, is it a pun? N-I-G-H-T. Oh, it's a play on words. It is. It is. (laughs) It certainly is. is, It's sort of mixing a ghost story and a haunted mansion in Boston, in the Boston area. Oh, hey. With uh, 
Non-grid city. No, it's a non-grid city. Yes, Boston is a mess. If you want to look at it like a Boston grid, there is no, a mess. there are no grids. It was, I mean, it was built in the times of horses and and, and such messes. Stuff. So lots of horse messes, uh, indeed. So white knight. Sorry, so white knight. I ruined it. That's okay. Uh, it's the, it's the, combining the little like sewage icon in that game. It's, it's a horse poop. Not exactly. It's poop. it's a horse poop, not human poop. That's just everywhere. So white knight. <laughs> they like <laughs> it that way. What? What? Boston. You like it that way. Whatever. Boston is shit in the streets. What are you going to do with that dirty water? My favorite anyway. thing about this is like because Danielle realized it was based in Boston, the entire time we were we were streaming this the yes. other night, the entire time we were streaming, every single like diary that we came across, she read, read it. it entirely in the Boston accent. My, Boston, my natural accent. <laughs> that's right. I did. Well, because it's also kind of a hard-boiled detective story. Yeah. yeah. That's also what's going on. Sorry, I'll talk like a normal person. Um, so, it has a really cool premise, and it looks really cool. It's all monochromatic, it's black and white, and uh, it controls much like the old Resident Evil games, sort of tank controls, cinematic camera angles yeah, that aren't necessarily <laughs> functional. No. Uh, and you are exploring this mansion, you need to turn lights on or have a match on, or you will be basically killed by a ghost, so you need to have light to keep yourself safe. And you're solving sort of Resident <coughs> Evil style kind of environmental puzzles as you're going along. I guess so the problem a lot of a lot of locks and keys. Lots yeah. locks and keys and turn finding light switches it's in the light. dark and things yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, and you can't save unless the lights are on, basically. Right, and it's it, but the thing about it is, is because it's monochromatic, it adds like this extra layer of like annoyance to the Resident Evil, the original Resident Evil experience. It's and really so, hard to tell what anything is the camera <laughs> angles are just like interminable and it's like your guy walks really slowly and drives like a tank yeah and like the whole thing is just like i don't know what this is i can't see anything like and it, and i've been really, killed by a ghost exactly it's it's a little annoying because i think the writing is actually pretty good yeah mm -hmm. uh there, there's a really intriguing story that's being hinted at i mean i'm only maybe an hour and a half in or so i'm going to play more i'm going to give it more of a shot um, but it feels like this game is stylish uh, at the expense, at the of, expense everything else. of being yeah, functional, that's a thing which happens. really sucks. I mean, I, there was something I was I was sort of showing my, the stream. Uh, there's a really unnecessary cut, this really <laughs> yeah. annoying place. So you're walking left to right, and there's also no map system. So the fact that the camera is so it's cutting stylishly is really really unfortunate because yeah. i never had a sense of where i was in this house and it's a it's not exactly a crazed layout it's a it's a, a mansion you know but it's really difficult to, to sense where you are there's this one particular cut when you're approaching a couch you save at couches because you have a rest that's kind of the fiction you're injured and that's why you've come into this house you're staying for whatever reason but uh to have a rest just to save and so you're approaching a couch and it's sort of a wide angle and it's slightly canted wide angle, and, and your character is approaching from left to right. In the middle of this, for about three steps, so it's only like a few frames, the, the camera zooms in crazily on the couch from a slightly different angle. So you're trying to walk, and then all of a sudden the camera crazily moves mm -hmm. in while you're trying to walk, and then it cuts back right. to the same canted sort of side angle, wider angle, and it's incredibly disorienting because the first few times I approached the couch... I thought I was going the wrong direction as soon as I got close Is enough and then I walked back. I think it's supposed to be 
stylishly indicating that the couch is an object of interest. Right. However, doing so with a really dramatic camera angle that's cutting crazily is not. <laughs> you know the right. other game that does that, but yes. it's like, and it's, but it's also like kind of unintentionally very hilarious. Sure. Is Deadly Premonition Stairwell? Oh, absolutely. Yes, they're amazing. There's a lot going... of Deadly Premonition that feels like it. Yeah, I don't remember the stairwell. Okay, thing. so the stairwells are amazing because <laughs> so there's like a kind of you're like there's a kind of it'll have like a, the camera's kind of looking down onto you this day like the curve of the stairwell, right? And you come down, like you're coming, you're, you're like directing your character down according to where the camera is. Except then it switches, and then you start basically moonwalking back yes. right the stairs. Really and then you can't figure out where you are, and like, and it's just like stairs are like really difficult. It's, it's really true, and it's adorable and hilarious, but also like, I mean, because everything about Deadly Premonition is ador- adorable and hilarious, it's and, and also so, broken. Yeah, yeah, it's so broken and silly. Yeah, it's but a it's game like, that feels naive in a lot of different senses of yes, the word. Sure. But it's also so much more interesting because it made those choices. I don't know. I just love that game so much. Like I had oh, a long, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I think that everyone should just hate, hate review scores. How are you supposed to score that game? Come on. Yeah. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. <laughs> Come on. Pretty it's, much. It's either a 10 or a 0. Yeah. Nothing in between. There's no gray area with, with Deadly Premonition, whereas no, it's White just, Knight is all gray area. Genius or black trash. And white. Yeah. <laughs> Die. I got that in. Oh I got my that god. In. But, yes, but I anyway. agree that there's Deadly Premonition in this game. It's just, this game is intentional and I, yes. I think designed by people who know what they were doing, but just got really carried away with the, yeah. the style. Man, if you elements. accidentally That's make Deadly mo- Premonition, right. yeah. bad, you're in a bad... Uh, unless you are actually the team that made Deadly Premonition. Right. Unless yeah. you're Sweary, basically. Yeah. yeah. Sweary and company. I, I do feel like there is there is a... It's not uncommon these days to see games that get a little bit carried away in their sort of stylish ambitions. Yeah. Yeah. And, Which is a little sad. In this case, it's a little sad because it's keeping me from getting to this right. fiction that's actually really interesting and right. cool. And it does look really nice. You know, I just sure. want to be able to carry it out to its conclusion. Did you ever play Beat Buddy? Have you played Beat Buddy? No. No. It, it was, I've never heard what? of that. So Beat, Beat Buddy is like a puzzle, a, a puzzle game. Uh, based like underwater <laughs> puzzle game, like kind of like based on this like little fish dude or whatever called Beat Buddy. And the idea is that, like, all of the puzzles have to be solved along to the music. Okay. So, like, a, cool. it's basically, like, a layered soundtrack. Uh, I think, like, uh, lots of famous people do t- tracks for each level. Each level is a different track. And you create parts of the soundtrack by interacting with some of the puzzle elements in it. So, like, if you bounce off, say, particular shells, it'll have, like, a hi-hat noise or when whatever. Is this, what, is this a current game? Uh, it was like out last year, I think. What um, systems? Was it, uh, it was PC. Computer it was game. Computer game. It's a yeah. Computer game. Uh, it was on Steam. I'm not okay. sure if it was on anything okay, else. Okay. What does this What does this have to do with White Knight or Deadly Premonition, if anything? 
Oh, so uh, not, not to say that it doesn't say it's okay for it to not. Okay, but so I was just like the, beat buddy so tale of the guardians. Yeah. Oh, this so is like. So, like, the link is, I feel like the overriding idea that they wanted to put across was, like, that they wanted to be super clever and have, like, the the puzzles, like, layer the music, like, mm-hmm. in, in each level and, like, be really interesting because it was, like, essentially you were creating some of the, like, the soundtrack for this game by playing the game. But it just, like, that design kind of decision overrode, like, everything else in the game. So it actually wasn't that pleasurable to play. Oh, so yeah. you're saying it's not good. So <laughs> I thought you were, I couldn't tell where where you were where you were going. I thought it was okay, but it just wasn't good enough. And it's like it's white it's like White Knight in that I do kind of enjoy it, but like it's got all these other like microaggressions basically. Yeah, absolutely. Like, micro this is designed by microaggression. I feel right? like that's exactly what White Knight's problem is. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I need like, to say that sorry. I just searched for Beat Buddy because I'd never heard of this. It's actually hard to find, actually. It's not this game does not seem to have maintained a lot of stickiness on the internet. But this game has a title, a subtitle, and a tagline. And all three of them sound like they're from completely different games. <laughs> so it is Beat Buddy, Tale of the Guardians, The Crazy Arcade Adventure. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> None Yikes. of those things have any... Yeah. Like, those are just... And they're, all, they're all in totally different fonts, too. Beat Buddy is in, like, kind of a wacky, like, blue pastel... Kind of like fun font, and then yeah. Tale of the Guardians is in like fantasy calligraphy script, and then the crazy arcade adventure is in pixel like arcade font with an exclamation point. Oh wow! It's I feel strange. like that's a really good microaggression really, by font. Yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> a really up. good summing up of exactly what Beat Buddy is because it really okay. doesn't know <laughs> what it is. Like it has no idea what it is, and yeah. um, it just it, I don't know. Like there was something about it, so like it like this is such a lukewarm review on um on RPS. And then, like, everyone in the comments was like, Kara's reviews are really so much, usually so much better than this because she's usually, like, really into it or really not into it. I'm like, well, that was the point of this review was saying to you that I am kind of, like, not either. Like, it's yeah. fine. Like, These reviews are really difficult to write. It's so hard <laughs> to write. So, yeah, it's really, uh, yeah. Anyway, I think that, like, the stylized, like, the stylized stuff, like, overriding everything else is, like, huge, a huge problem because people are like, oh, I want it to look like this and feel like this, but then it ends up just not being anything. Feel, feel I think, ends up being a, a bit more important <laughs> when it comes to uh, yes. having a functional game that, that you know, yes. you don't want your game to get in the way of people playing the game. Are obviously. you saying you're a feels journalist? I am a feel journalist. I, I go by feel. Feels. Feels oh, only. Man. Yeah, only feels. Oof. Is that... That, yeah, you're making. Is that like a pejorative? Look at that smug face. <laughs> we're we're being yeah. We're, we're being. You guys want to do some reader mail? I thought yes, that was I do. Facetious. I'll talk. I'll talk about the other game next time. I have okay. plenty of other goodies for next week. Cool. All right. So Axel writes. Oh, first off, oh. this is the reader mail segment, which we never introduce anymore. But this is reader mail. It's mail from you, the readers. If you have uh, an oh, email yeah. that you would like us to read on this podcast, please write us. At questions at idlethumbs.net. Um, True. We love it when you do that, and some, some sometimes people don't, and then we don't have a lot to <laughs> read. <laughs> we, have, we have a decent amount. We have a decent amount. This Thanks, week. everyone who wrote in recently. Yes. <laughs> so, Axel writes, um, Hello, Idle Thumbs. I just found your podcast, and I'm going through your library in reverse order, interspersed with the new episode, so please forgive the fact that I cannot remember when you were mentioning the Russian book the Last Ring Bearer, which retells the Lord of the Rings trilogy from Soren's perspective. 
When playing Shadows of Mordor in the last couple days, I was beheading a warchief when he said something that stuck with me. While on his knees staring at his fate, he fatalistically said, We were fighting for order, now the world will fall to chaos. This immediately made me think of the book and truly start to wonder who is truly evil in Middle-earth if Sauron was only a misunderstood leader ahead of his time. Two seconds later, I was back to setting orcs on fire and stomping them with a grog. A grog. Anyway, thank you for your podcast. I am grateful to find an intelligent podcast from a creative point of view. Cue Danielle, Dan- Danielle making a fart sound of red on air. Oh, nice. man. Oh, really? That first started. one was a way weirder Maybe. fart. Yeah. It was. Like, I'm sorry. It was a poot, and then it was a full fart. This person also has their email signature includes Charles Schultz quote, which I'm going to read. That's awesome. I'm going to assume he intended that. Uh <laughs> Don't worry about the world coming to an end tomorrow. It's already tomorrow in Australia. Charles Schultz. <laughs> so, oh, oh, that's delightful. That. That's, kind of a that's nice. Nice little thing. Uh, his quote. His quote from Charles Schultz is the wacky arcade game that's fun to play. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about your your vision for for Shadow of Mordor? Oh yeah, because everyone always asks me by this. Okay, so I have to make I have to make it clear that this isn't my idea. It was originally a theory that Yannick Lejack at Kotaku.com yes. had because he and I were playing Shadow of Mordor, and he said, "You know this 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 game is essentially just a homoerotic dating sim." Absolutely. And I was like, what? And he was like, it like it's it's gay as hell, basically. He was like, This is this is a game in which arcs um and like arcs are just massively overexcited to get near uh Italian, I think his name is yes. the main character. And essentially it's all about like them sort of sweat every the time. Things you kill, that they'll do to you. Yeah, like every it has those like yeah. little cutscenes with the boss arcs who are just like, I just want and they're holding him, they're just like, I just wanna <laughs> just wanna and you're like, Yeah, I know what you wanna do. You know? Like <laughs> and exactly. it's just like I wanna and like and, and Yannick had this whole theory all worked tight where he's just like, it is like it's basically the most homoerotic a game that we have and it's like the closest we've got to a triple a hey, dating hey, sim hey hey army of two army of two that's is also true too. that's true that's a good point. um but anyway i feel like i feel like there's a lot to be said about that game there's definitely this feeling of like bodies and like yes uh like it's like very kind of i you know i want to get close to this person and then they kind of every time you kill off one of the arcs they kind of regroup into like who's gonna like top you basically Absolutely. it's great i think it's great the whole time patricia was playing this game we kept joking about how oh this would be so much more fun as a dating sim and then when you sort of said when you that. just murder them are they yeah, like shit like, this just like, what I exactly. <laughs> but then they like, come, come back on. for more that's that's true they, actually they're never right. quite done no you're right actually. <laughs> but anyway good. please everyone go find yannick lejack on twitter and just tweet him and say please write that entire article and put it you on kotaku.com yes. because that is like we he's he he had this he first had this idea months ago and hasn't written it down and it's really annoying to me who has a column on sex and video games so i think yeah. you should steal it from him and just i know i should just steal it and write it right yeah. okay i think you'll do well, justice yeah okay fine all right uh, Anthony Newman writes, Nathan Drake trapped in a bank. Hey, thumbs. <laughs> Naughty Dog developer here. In episode 199, Begost in the Shell, you briefly mentioned <laughs> yes, the- Yes, thank un- God we got that name out there. Yes. <laughs> yes. You briefly mentioned the uncharted cutscenes, and you seem to believe that they work well to hide loading. This is a common misconception I'd like to help dispel. The cutscenes in the uncharted games in The Last of Us do not hide any loading. As soon as the cutscene begins playing, the player is allowed to pause and skip the cutscene, and there is still no loading screen. The end of each level has the beginning of the next level already loaded pre-cutscene. 
There were a couple a couple of exceptions in The Last of Us because that game taxed the memory of the PS3 so intensely. So there are a couple of cutscenes that would give you a brief loading screen if you tried to skip them. Love the show. Keep up the great work, Anthony. That's Man, cool. that is so an incredibly Jake, common you misconception. Were wrong. I think it, I heard that from Sean actually, so I'm just going to no. pass that back to Mr. Vanneman, um, <laughs> who I think actually is the one who talked about that. But I've I've heard that in a million places. I've heard that the cutscenes in Uncharted are load screen bridges. So that's uh, and in uh, Last, Last of Us. Of us. Mm-hmm. Nope. I really love that you have listeners <laughs> from Naughty Dog who are just like, actually, uh, let me tell you that we cool. streamed that in before me. the cutscene. Yeah. So eat shit out of them. What is yeah. Consider it eaten. Like if whatever. Consider the shit if eaten. I, if I had like fucking achieved that in my job. Yeah, if you have a game that has like, the fidelity yeah. of Uncharted running on a PS3 and there's not actually any load screens anywhere, holy fuck. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. That's yeah. something to be proud of. Good I remember work. Hideo Kojima saying that he saw that there were no cutscenes in GTA and was like, wow, I would really like to make that game. I'm like, you can make it happen, please Kojima, please, yes, please. Please make no more cutscenes. That. that would oh. be wonderful. Thank you. Bye. A cutscene Kojima game uh, <laughs> look at your what face. would be left am i right <laughs> <laughs> really there would be very little left <laughs> <laughs> okay um cory snell writes hey thumbs last week both sean and danielle mentioned childhood misinterpretations very similar to my own just like sean i also misinterpreted a do not drink psa although in my case it was do not drink and drive I was around seven at the time, and my class was having police officers go around class to class to speak with the children. Once I heard the dangers of drinking and driving, I promptly informed the officer and teacher that my mother drinks and drives all the time. Aww. For some reason, I had the impression that the reason you sh- shouldn't do this is that she would choke and crash while drinking her coffee on the way to work. Oh, no. Needless to say, this was all this, this was well after the school's principal and an officer questioned my mom and searched her vehicle. <laughs> As, as for Danielle's story about renting something simply because it had a beloved character on the box, I've also made that mistake. Actually, my brother did, but I was still a victim. While cruising the aisles at our local Tower Records, my brother spotted a movie that had Will Smith on the cover. Thinking no hard could come, karma could come of it, he decided to rent it. Six Degrees of Separation is not a movie any eight and nine-year-old should watch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the great podcast and sorry for the rant, Corey from SoCal. Oh, oh that awesome. was a good. That was a good laugh. I actually had a. I didn't say this last week, but I had the same misconception Sean did when my parents were talking about a, a a formerly alcoholic member of our family who can't drink anymore. And I remember I was playing so in the basement. I was like, he's gonna die. He's like, he's gonna be so thirsty. What? How do you not drink? Do you just have to have special food? And I had like a whole rant in my head. I was six or something. Well, okay. So here's another one from Jen Bennett. Uh, <clears throat> she writes, "Hello, thumbs. Congratulations on two hundred episodes. On two thousand episodes. I know. I, I wish. <laughs> yes, yeah. man. Idle thumbs two thousand. What a good episode oh, name. I think Idle thumbs twenty was called Idle thumbs. It probably was. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, Hello, Thumbs. Congratulations on 200 episodes. I was reminded of these kid perspective shenanigans by reader mail section in the last episode. My dad was an early adopter of a lot of personal computers that came out in the 80s and 90s. I was probably in preschool when I thought I'd help uh, help my dad with his chores by tidying up one of his computers. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. almost positive it was an Atari ST because dragging items to the trash immediately and permanently deleted them. I did a lot of irreparable damage that day. <laughs> Oh, man. When I was – this is completely unrelated to misinterpreting things as a kid, except that it kind of is. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I was really into, like, Apple II computers to the point that I was in an Apple II users group. Nice. And they waived the fee 
the membership fee because I was a child. If <laughs> if I wrote a column for the newsletter. Oh man, what? How about oh, child labor? Yeah, yeah, I know. I was gonna say they what the heck? You. About, about sort of just my life as a kid who used computers to the degree that I did. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first and I think only column that I wrote was me <laughs> asking why my computer didn't work anymore because it was missing like three system files that I actually might have erased. <laughs> Do you have a record of this anywhere? I'm sure I still have that newsletter. Oh my god, you have to find it. It was an old issue of the Gravenstein Apple Users Group, which was a (laughs) user group for Apple 2GS computers. Oh man. I remember um, completely misinterpreting what a zip drive was, and I put a floppy disk in it, and I broke it, and my dad had to dismantle (laughs) it, (laughs) and then put it back together So this is a story about how we're all shit. (laughs) We're actually not very good uh, computer people (laughs) at all, so yeah. So the reader actually... um, continues the reason i I followed up on this is because of the previous one so she she says around the same time there was a huge don't drink and drive psa campaign (laughs) that had terrifying billboards and commercials everywhere my mom liked to drink soda in the car i had countless knockdown drag out meltdowns at my mom because i was i was sure she was going to get sent to time out forever (laughs) (laughs) this might be pretty obvious but i was an only child thank you for the great podcast i've become a devoted reader in the last year wishing you all the best jen that's really sweet awesome I like the don't drink and don't drink and drive PSAs. Kids are just like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It probably should be more explicit for young children. Like, if you're going to seven-year-olds. That stuff has to be, that stuff has to be, like, aggressively parented in those meetings where, like, kids might not know what drinking and driving is. Good. We should not tell them what alcohol is. that's true, yeah. But then now you have kids who just have, like, who learn what anxiety is instead. (laughs) Which will lead them to drinking and driving. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a vicious cycle, Jake. Yeah. She's like, what's drinking? Oh, it's a thing that a parent, adults do to calm down after a hard day. And you're like, oh, I need that now because I was so worried that you were going to be taken away from me because you're, of that soda and coffee. Go to I told the police choke. officer about it. I, remember, I think I remember asking my mother what a condom was at one point when I was very, very young. Oh, yeah. And she said something really hilarious like, oh, it's just a little hat for a penis or something. <laughs> That's was that a satisfying answer here? Yes, and I was really? like, oh good. You're like, oh, I can see why you'd put a little hat on a penis. <laughs> and then I was really jealous of my brother's penis. I was like, why does he get like, to put a hat on that. his penis? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just assumed that every day when my brother was getting dressed, that he was putting that a was hat a on his penis. That's part of his yeah. clothes, yeah. The top drawer is just all small clothes. <laughs> right. Right. He could dress it up and just have a nice, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when I was ever disabused of that notion. Maybe now I'm not. So maybe all of these people I'm dating, I'm just like, why is it hatless? Yeah, like, it's like, what's going on with that? Yeah, like, you like need to, to get a hat for that. Yeah. <laughs> what, does it get cold? I mean, come on. Get a hat. Quite the opposite. Uh, so, uh, Andrew Hamilton writes, Hi, Thumbs. I'm writing in to share my own video game visual misunderstanding. I found plenty of moments where I was seeing things incorrectly in video games. The one I always come back to is the thief in the original Final Fantasy for the NES. For whatever reason, despite the fact that he's presented in a side view, his most distant <laughs> shoulder is drawn in view. Since my young brain didn't think I should be seeing his arm, I always saw it as a long trunk like that of an elephant. <laughs> oh, man! Okay, that's actually totally totally accurate. He would run into battle, wielding a little knife in his trunk, slashing at monsters in an effort to save the world. Really I always cute. thought this game was so world weird for having all these human characters and then one weird elephant man. <laughs> Anyway, love the recent show. I'd never complain if you guys did more Sixers or at least threw some hot scoops in once in a while. Miss those scoops, Delorette. 
awesome. If you want Steve to appear on Idle of Thumbs, harass him on Twitter and tell him to come to San Francisco for a couple days, and then he'll That's be true. on the podcast. Yeah. Yes. Accurate. Absolutely. Chris was on Skype last week, but as we all know, that was a fucking travesty. Yeah, that was bad. So <laughs> never again. We dipped our toe into the water of Idle of Thumbs <laughs> Skype. Ugh. Only yeah. for 250 if necessary. Yeah, no, I don't know if it's 300. I don't know if it's 500. 500 is the next time we'll do Skype. Oh, man, because we'll have to, because we'll all be convalescing. Yeah, pretty much. You know. I can make Steve Skype in next week or something. Fuck that shit. You'll be, well, you'll be Steve next week. I'll be Steve next week. I'll be, I'll draw another beard. What does Steve Gainer sound like? You've got the undies. Hi, I'm Steve Gator. That was shit. That was okay, <laughs> work, work on that. If you can, if you can pass yourself off as the true the hot scoops next Steve, week, just get the Steve laugh down. He, if you can Steve, get the laugh down, Steve you're golden. Always sounds like he's grinning. Do you not think he always oh, yeah. when he's he when he's talking? He always sounds like what does Steve laugh sound like? I don't. I can't remember. I can't remember what his last. I can't. Like. I can't oh, we know. No, we all know that it sounds like Ganon from Zelda oh, Two. Oh, that's yeah. true. It does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, if you right. can work on that, Karen. <laughs> okay, I'll just okay, I'll just die care. in Zelda two a lot and sort of practice that sound. Die in Zelda two, or okay. listen to I think it's like Soda Popinski who has that laugh. One oh, of the yeah. characters in original oh, yeah. Punch Out has that laugh too. So William Harris is writing in to save us a little bit of face about the Banjo Kazooie Ratchet and Clank mix up oh, from yes. a few episodes ago. Oh, okay. Did we talk about <laughs> that on the air? We said Ratchet and Clank nuts and bolts, especially me. I'm a goddamn idiot. Obviously, it's Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> I never okay. I have to talk for half a second about this. I like how put out you are about having to acknowledge <laughs> so this. I feel I actually felt really bad. I felt like a big old idiot. Um, but I didn't actually play any of those platformers because during the era of PlayStation One and Two, which is when platformers reigned supreme. Yeah, when, I didn't like when three D animal platformers. When, yeah, when three D when 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 it was all about when it was the age of animal platformers. Like when when you know when Gex existed. Yeah. I guess Gex yeah. was three D. He'd been around. Oh my god, I love Gex. Yeah. We we ran Gex into the ground. We can't talk about oh. Gex anymore. Um, <laughs> except you can show your love for Gex and his weird TV metaverse bullshit. But I I just didn't play any of those, which is weird because I I identified entirely as like a platformer person in eight right. bit and sixteen bit era, and I think I didn't like Mario sixty four. And then I just you went and, yeah. yeah. But I just I basically was just playing Quake. One, two, and three, yeah. and during the entire <laughs> yeah, too, I guess. the entire reign of those. So when people right. are like, "How dare you mistake Ratchet and Clank for Banjo Kazooie?" I'm like, "Ah, I, well, I, I yeah." My my path through video games went exactly the way yours didn't. I, I graduated from the the you know the 2D platformers right into the 3D animal platformers and loved them and was obsessed with them. They all just seem the same to me. They make me feel like an old dad. I had, I had the same experience as Jack and Daxter Aww. and Banjo Kazooie and Ratchet and Clank, and I know they were all different. I'm sure they were like you don't need to tell me. I always sort of knew that Sly Cooper was different because it was a little more stealthy. Oh, yeah. It was stealthy, yeah. but like Ratchet and Clank, uh, Banjo- Ratchet and Clank had shooting. Banjo Kazooie was, but Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank were very similar, right? Yeah, they had some similarities. Although Jack and Daxter was actually more sort of traversal based, like they they put cars in the, that series way before I, they know did. It's funny, actually, I remember at a friend's house, I played all the way through the original. Uh, Jack and Daxter in one day. Whoa. He was like, "You've never played any of these games," and I'm like, "No." He's like, "You got to play Jack and Daxter. It's amazing." I played through the entire thing in one day, and I'm like, "That was so boring. Why did I just do that?" It was, <laughs> and then really he's like, "Now let's play Blinks the Time Sweeper." <laughs> oh no! Blinks. It was such a strange experience. It was like it was during this very specific period in my life that is maybe like a two year period that was the only time in which it would have been remotely feasible for me to play all the way through. 
a game like that in a single day at a friend's house. Right, um, right. Because he was like, he ended up just kind of like going and doing stuff with his parents. Like, <laughs> You're just I, like, hey, you stole his I think, <laughs> I think we were home for, I think it was over summer and we were in college. And I think I was, okay. he was Mormon. And I, like, I remember going to his house and like, I remember his parents were always kind of vaguely suspicious of me because I'm not a Mormon. And, uh, and, um, this is your friend with the revelation about boys to men, isn't it? Yes. Yes, <laughs> it was. Um, awesome. and, uh, and also like we got him into like playing in our band and stuff. So we also okay. were even more sort of, you corrupted the shit yeah. out of this guy, yeah. Yes, yeah. but he corrupted was, you by making you play through all yeah, of and, uh, Jack yeah, and Daxter. Like, he was like, Oh, just stay out of the way. Like I'm like, you know, like, don't like his parents got home from somewhere and I was already like sort of, he was showing me the game. And I remember I just kind of ended up just playing through the entire rest of the game just at his house. It was very a weird experience. And anyway, my 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 conclusion was I was right to not be playing these games because I found it very tedious. I was just a PC gamer for that entire era. I was, yes. I was too, uh, unto and, myself, yeah. Uh, like, like still playing Doom. <clears throat> I, played I was, Doom I was the N64 kid, which is why I didn't even actually play the Jack and Daxter games until later on. But yeah, I, had I was N64, all N64 all the way. I had one, but I did not use it for any of that stuff you at all. You weren't into those those animal Dungeon Keepers. <laughs> dungeon Keeper, that was very I mean, Dungeon Keeper was great. You were yeah. keeping dungeons. Anyway, this person's going to say why it's okay that I fucked yeah, up. Yeah, so I mean, not really, but he's just trying to throw you a bone. So William Harris writes, Hi Thumbs, obviously by this point you have been told repeatedly that it's Banjo-Kazooie, not Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, to be fair, Nuts and Bolts would fit the sexual innuendo of a Ratchet and Clank subtitle. Ah, uh, see, this is what's bad about it. Such, okay, as, anyway. such as Going Commando or Up Your Arsenal. So there's that. <laughs> However, True. Nuts and Bolts is the bastard son of the, the Banjo-Kazooie franchise. I love the game mostly because I don't hold any particular reverence for the original games. Nuts and Bolts caught my eye immediately upon release. And while it is entertaining to build various versions of the same car or plane, the most fun, like with Besieged, comes from using the objects in ways the developers probably didn't intend. People have made transforming walking mechs, Batpod-style hidden motorcycle, car planes, transforming walking Batpod-style hidden car planes. <laughs> <laughs> it's super interesting to see what people have created since the game came out. Love the show. Need more Daisy stories from Sean or just more stories of emergent gameplay. Either works. Except for my Commodore pet, Frank Harris. Awesome. <laughs> Nice. That game is really great. That's involved. It was. I do. I yeah. do remember really, really enjoying that game. Yeah. Yeah. I really want a, like a tour guide to take me to Daisy because I think I would love that game so much. Just show That's what you got to do. Guide. When we first yeah. played it, we played it with uh, Evan Lottie of PC oh, Gamer. Man. Oh man. We did a stream where he just kind of like tour guided us through. Yeah, it. Yeah, I would love to play it. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it would just be like me. It would be like. I feel like it'd be like that. Have you seen that new Dread movie? Like, yeah. It would be like Sean is just like, yeah, come over here. And I'm just like, ah, ah, just crumble into your ball. I don't think anyone's Daisy experience is that. I think that everyone, well, not anyone that I know, maybe Evan Lottie, but I yeah. think even when Vanneman plays, you're talking about Sean Vanneman? Yeah. No, when Sean plays Daisy, he's just like in his underwear. He's just a mess. Like, this, no. no. <laughs> He's, he's in his meundies. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've heard him. Meundies skin. <laughs> but I've heard, I've heard, so, so like, I, my best friend is Alice, who often plays, like, Dota 2 with Sean. And sometimes I just go to, like, to see Alice, and Alice is playing Dota 2, and Sean's just yelling. Oh, yeah. That's and what yelling. That is, that's that's really what funny. That's what and then all man. that Alice does is just, uh, like, throw insults at Sean and how Sean's playing, and it's just, it, it's incredibly amusing. Yeah. That's probably what Sean just needs when he plays up. Dota. Yeah. It probably is, yeah. I just I can't deal with it. I just I just like shut down. 
Yeah. I just like sit there, don't respond. Yeah. And it's like, I can't. Yeah, Me there, too. I yeah. just don't there, There's a reason that I've never played Dota with Sean, and it is that I used to be his housemate when he started to play Dota. <laughs> sure. Oh, sure. That said, I'm so glad that Sean plays Dota because Dota today is still my favorite podcast. I know. Yeah, it's good. I hope he does more of them. What I asked. Oh, man. I like, I love everything. It's is about Dota, but like I, I was the I was originally stuck in the original Dota. Like I, I, I got obsessed with it in that era, <laughs> and just I, yeah, and I just played like five years at university of just that, and it, it basically now That's I'm just game does. really, really afraid of getting into Dota two. Like just like like well, a, imagine, like an alcoholic might be afraid of having Dota, another but like sure. more sure. refined and more optimized towards life ruining. <laughs> Think about that exactly. <laughs> imagine that the full force of Valve, the masters of basically siphoning all the things that are good and bad about gambling and putting them into a video game that has nothing to do with gambling. Well, I mean, the most horrific <laughs> thing about the whole game, like any kind of like mob game, is that they've had, they've already taken like... Oh, we call them, si- we call them Lord's Management Lord's games. Lord's Management, <laughs> sorry. Um, Lord's <laughs> Management games is like, they've had like, what, six or seven years of like just the like pure Blizzard mod refining itself and refining itself and iterating itself. And then they took that core and then put it into the expensive Valve shit that they do now yes, and then they iterated more so it's like it's so evil now that, and so good that it's but like you know liquid it, amazing is that, is that for any of that stuff to take hold you you still have to penetrate into something that's actually incredibly like unintuitive and off-putting and hard yes. like I I'm sure that all those things are true, but still, when I play Dota 2, I'm like, this is impossible. Well, the learning so, like, curve it's is not able. Like, I'm not huge. able to get to the point where it like yeah. consumes and destroys me. Well, it, once you it's it's because once you get that one super significant win after sure say yeah, after yeah. say an hour like of of a game then and you're like and then you're like oh i could just play one more and then get the same buzz and then you just and you yeah. usually don't you usually fail and then like it's and you're still trying to get back that one time yeah and that's what it's that's yeah, what it I is i totally believe that it's that's what it is i believe it and refuse to play it yeah yeah <laughs> i kind of yeah I'm kinda that's reasonable though i think it's yeah. reasonable i i realized that my my so i realized how how unhealthy my relationship with video games has become as a co-host of idle thumbs because i loaded up um the talos principle the other day to start playing it again and it seriously felt like i was i was doing something illicit because i'm because like we've already talked about this game on idle thumbs we've already talked about it multiple times I'm gonna play it anyway. Like, I'm not, I'm yeah. not Man, play. you were playing discreetly. I'm not. Yeah, I was totally yeah. playing discreetly. I'm like, I'm not gonna play a new game that we haven't talked about yet. I'm gonna play this one that I can't even. There's not even any point in talking about it. Out of thoughts, I'm still gonna play. Yes. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Well, actually, so the second I loaded I it up, my doorbell rang yeah. and my friend arrived, and I had to go. But, so, so it was. Yeah, the universe was. Confirming. So you got that high though of how you were gonna play it. I know it yeah. was such a strange thing, and I realized like in that moment, You're like I'm gonna play a video game to enjoy it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I have this. Gross. Have how this... gross are you now? You're a gross man, Chris. I know I'm gross. Grossy pants. I, I have this all the time. I, <laughs> I have this all the time when I like. I had this just last night where I was like, I've been playing a lot of Far Cry Four lately and really enjoying it and having a lot of fun with it. And again, of course, we're not going to talk about it right now, but like. I had to play a couple of other things for work, and Patricia had to be like, All right, you, "You gotta, you gotta play the other thing." Like, this is how crazy our lives are. That this is, you know, like as game journalists, it's kind of like 
no, you have to play this for work, and then you can play this for fun. But it's like your diet has to be, you know, steadily. God, your life is like, awesome. My Fuck life off. is great. <laughs> my life is wonderful. I'm just laughing at how well, ridiculous it is. In my case, it it's is. a little bit different in that sure. I, I feel like I have such little time to play any video games, which is for a lot of reasons. It's not, it's not just because of, like, my job or anything. It's for, like, a lot of different yeah. things that conspire to mean I just have relatively little, like, clear open time to play video games in. And you want and to so, maximize it so that right. you can talk about Right, and so it's like I really cast, realistically yeah. I'm only going to play one thing every week. Right. And so then if that thing is not something that I'm going to get Idle Thumbs material out of, it feels like I'm wasting... It's empty calories. That, yeah, exactly. It yeah. totally feels like yeah. that. It feels I mean, like I'm, I'm like doing a disservice to the readers, basically. Well, I mean, so. I'm, I a, I'm a freelance game journalist, so like it's worse for me. Like I literally never start up a video game unless it's for work. So it's kind of, it's kind of a sad existence in which everything, everything is like every video game is not supposed to be fun because it's always for work. And it's just really annoying. Man, I I think we're reasonably done, but talking about full throttle coming out 20 years ago. Yeah. Sorry. I just (laughs) talking about this thing. We talked about like two hours. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Just because we've talked about, Console games and PC games and full yeah. throttle and yes. 20 years ago. Chrono Trigger came out 20 years ago today. Oh my god. Really? Yes. It Chrono- feels like longer ago. Right, so that's the thing. Yeah. Chrono Trigger came out 20 years ago today. Full throttle came out 20 years ago, April 30th. Holy of shit. that same year. Crazy. I don't, I always forget that CD-ROM PC, games and things, Super Nintendo yeah. coexisted. Yeah, yeah, god, yeah. think about how much, like, not that, not that, um, Chrono Trigger isn't like an attractive game in its own right, but it's like a totally different thing. Exactly. Like when you think about Full Throttle, was one hundred percent voice acted and animated. But then consoles caught up basically immediately because ninety six was PlayStation, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But like, man, that divide is crazy to think about. Like. Weird. Sorry, I just like no. It's totally crazy. My brain just exploded when I thought about like Ben beefing it like his bike going off the road. Yeah. And then also like the popular like the music from Chrono Trigger that has entrenched itself in like geek culture against like God, the Gon- right. against like the, the Gon Jackals, Jackals and Peter McConnell's yeah. like, yeah. noir yeah. rumbling piano yeah. score. Like what a crazy contrast that is. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm saying is PC Master Race 20th anniversary. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yay. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I stopped playing video games around by the time. Well, I didn't really, but like I didn't I didn't play with like. Because I had a super... No, I didn't have a Super Nintendo. My friend next door had a Super Nintendo, which Mm. I had a relationship with. Um, But yeah, like I just didn't play video video games on consoles for a really long time after that because I was like a PC gamer. And also like PlayStation was like marketed super heavily towards boys. Like so much. So that I felt like it was a macho thing to play on the PlayStation and it wasn't for me specifically. Huh. And that was like weird because I started to be like super and alienated. Then, and from then games. Tomb Raider came and was like fixing that problem for you because then it was. Well, it, would, it, it didn't really fix the PlayStation problem uh, because like she was meant to be a sex symbol right, right. that was on a PlayStation. Right. Whereas like it seemed kind of divided. So when I got like, when I got Tomb Raider, I think it was several years after I suppose it came out and like it, it seemed like a separate thing that was like okay on the See, sure. I don't know. Sure. It seemed like I, no, I, I get where you're coming so from. So yeah, yeah, it was strange. Sorry, the PlayStation One was came out in Japan in '94. I don't know anything about anything. Sorry, wow. I don't know. That's anyway. also surprising. That is okay. So let's just dork, dork. People in the world will tell me to shut up about all this stuff. <laughs> but yeah, Japan 1994, and then so 
1995 <laughs> is apparently the year of insanity because that's full full thrall and chrono trigger came out at that time and then in september 3rd of 95 the playstation came out so yeah i guess i forget how much of a transformative year 1995 is for yeah, everything games. yeah anyway video games yeah <clears throat> well i mean it was indeed. like wasn't i thought yeah like tomb raider was 96 wasn't yes. it yes so like yeah 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 so we're in the kind of right time frame sort of yeah oh yeah yeah anyway 20 years ago <laughs> this podcast ended yes <laughs> nice. 1995 was so crazy uh thank you for listening to this week's idle thumbs if you liked it why not recommend it to a friend that always helps us out a little bit uh you could also rate us on itunes if you think we deserve a good rating and if you don't maybe just leave that button alone yeah. uh we are on twitter at idle thumbs uh on facebook at facebook.com slash idle thumbs our website is idlethumbs.net slash idlethumbs a classic Switch. classic url we're twitch yes Twitch-ing where danielle games. often streams is twitch.tv slash idlethumbs for instance you-, you can watch the white knight stream there right uh, oh what you weren't even on, on a, uh, hmm, never mind don't go there i guess <laughs> don't go there <laughs> angry toad <laughs> i i had a, a constipated toad i had a super quick plug it's the quickest plug ever oh go for it I In the words a, of Michael Jackson yes. from Moonwalker, <laughs> it's just a plug. It's just a plug. Hey! I have a game at Different Games this year, which is in New York from April 3rd to the 4th. Nice. Coming up soon. It's a game I made. It's Cyberpunk. And I'm really excited to have a game as a as a developer, I guess, which is exciting. What's it called? It's called Floor 999. It's a cyberpunk inbox hacking adventure. Sweet. Sounds cool. And where is it? <clears throat> it's in New York. At different games, April third to fourth. Nice, cool, exciting stuff. All right. Anyway, hooray! You, you can also write us email at questions at alphums at that. We already covered that. No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. A oh, long time ago. that's right. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Thanks for Whoa. being on this week. Oh yeah, thanks, Kara. Thank you, Kara. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Kara's the best. Do you want to say where your where your Tumblr? Oh is yeah. Or? Oh okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter at. Kara Ellison, C-A-R-A-E-L-L-I-S-O-N. Not the K, the C. Yes. Uh, and then also I have a website at karaellison.co.uk where all my work is. So. Sweet. Super. Thanks for being on this week. See you guys next week. Bye. 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 This episode was brought to you by Brave Wave, a video game music label. Uh, this week, they released Retroactive Part 1, the first ever solo album from Kaiji Yamagishi, who was the composer of Ninja Gaiden and Tecmo Super Bowl. Ooh. I know. Uh, after uh, a decade of uh, no video game music composition, he is back. Go to store.bravewave.net to listen to the entire album for free and uh, buy it if you want. Check out a little clip from it now. Super. Cool. Cool.